Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. I believe that diplomacy should be the cornerstone of any foreign policy. And I can see Russia from my house. (laughs) She's queer. Jane Addams is queer. I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita. And this is the Nerdette Podcast. This week, our pal Lauren Julgen comes by to give us a playlist that will take us from summer to fall. Because who doesn't love a seamless musical transition? And the crew from WBEZ's Curious City stops by to talk to us about their most recent investigation. They looked at the question of whether progressive era activist and mother of social work Jane Addams could or should be considered a lesbian in today's terms. And we've got some fall TV homework for you. Everybody dance now! What's that sound? Oh, that's the Tina Fey News Alert Bulletin. Ooh, is it because she's hosting SNL soon? Yes, September 28th, season premiere of Saturday Night Live, and Tina Fey will be hosting. I couldn't help but notice that the week after that, the host will be Miley Cyrus. I know. But we're getting Tina Fey first. All right, all right. So, Greta, did you grow up on SNL like I did? You know, I grew up with my dad having us watch the classic SNL with, you know, like Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd and the wild and crazy guys. (laughs) But since then, not so much? Pretty much, yeah. I've missed several decades of programming (laughs) on SNL. It's also on a little late for me, let's be honest. That's true. You are an old lady. I know. Well, I watch it every week. I don't ever watch it on a television anymore, but I watch it every week. I just feel it's an obligation of my comedy nerddom to keep up with it. And there's been some rough patches, but there's still some really talented people over there. And of course, many of my favorite moments of all time on that show, Tina Fey is responsible for. You know, I got to say, I love Tina Fey as Sarah Palin. Coming from Alaska, there was a time where you couldn't say anything about where you were from without hearing about Sarah Palin. And I just loved Tina's depiction of her. And inadvertently political. Whenever I see President Obama out for a bike ride in his mom jeans, I think of the Tina Fey mom jeans commercial. Mom jeans fit mom just the way she likes it. She'll love the nine inch zipper and casual front pleats. Cut generously to fit a mom's body. She'll want to wear them to everything from a soccer game to a night on the town. Friend of Nerdette Lauren Chulgen stopped by at the start of the summer on Nerdette to recommend some books for us. And she's also a playlist fiend. She came up with a list. This month has a theme. It's all songs by ladies. And it's to kind of help us transition from the summer into the fall. To release me from 
Hopefully this is something I do pretty regularly. You can ask my roommate or any of my friends. I'm always the one at the party who's like, I don't know if I want to talk to you people anymore. Do you have an iPod? (laughs) (laughs) Let me set up the music for us. So the song that we just heard is by the band Boy. It's called Little Numbers. And it's very girly, kind of a silly vibe to it. And the reason I wanted to start off with that is because this month's theme is all about girls. I figured Nerdette, the first way to kick off this podcast, would be do all great girl music. What do you think about that? I'm really excited you're doing this, and I kind of need this in my life. Because as we were prepping for this segment, I was going through my own iTunes account and started to feel like a bad feminist. <laughs> Why? Because I only listen to music by boys. And really? I didn't realize. Oh, wow. Until I like went through and thought about it. Trisha loves the boys. Like, I what kind them. of groups do you really like? Well, I mean, most of what I listen to, if I'm honest, is like Beatles stuff and Simon and Garfunkel. And then in certain moods, I'm really into Frank Sinatra. What? Which I, I know. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> It's a thing. Well, I'll remember that when I'm making October. <laughs> but so, but so, like my go-to, like just want to like have music on the bus kind of music is often not new music, and it's often not lady music. So awesome. I want I need some some female musicians in my life. Well, I'm here to help, Trisha Bobita. I'm happy to say I have given you quite the list, which I crafted very personally. I have a couple rules when I make my own playlists, and. I like there to always be a theme. Even if you didn't ask me to do a theme, either of you, I would have made one anyway. Because I think, I don't know, music is a very important, plays a very important role in my life, and I use it for different things. And sometimes it's nice to know, okay, if I click that playlist, like, this is the mood, this is the vibe, this is what we're in for, so. My only playlists are called things like sleepy time, (laughs) driving, because I'm apparently really specific about what I'm doing when I'm creating a playlist. You know, I went through a weird phase where I was, I mean, this is really geeking out, making a playlist for whatever I made for dinner. So if I was trying a new recipe, I would make a playlist about whatever I listened to while making that recipe. Just because, you know, sometimes I need a more like acoustic, like, you know, brunch by the river vibe (laughs) Um, while I'm cooking. Other times I really want soul music, like Otis Redding. I mean, I'm really into that as well. So my music taste is all over the place. So I think it's going to be fun for the three of us to explore different playlists every month. Absolutely. So what's another song on this playlist? What do you have next for us? So the next song I want you to hear is from a band I am obsessed with right now. It's a group of sisters, and they go by the name of Haim, which there's a lot of discrepancy on how to pronounce that, so I think we've got it right. We read somewhere that it rhymes with time (laughs) per their manager spokesperson. So this is a cover of a fantastic Fleetwood Mac song, and um, hope you enjoy it. Can you understand me? You hand me is a really good song you know and my friend Liz actually who is my pop culture spirit guide has also recommended Haim to me so it's exciting it's coming back around it's meant to be it's lovely I read an interview with them at some stage where they were like oh we're really inspired by Fleetwood Mac well no kidding if you hear any of their songs it's just so evident I just like it because 
It's really fun. It was a real summer album for me. They only have a few songs out. Their full album, actually, a new album is coming out at the end of September, which I've already pre-ordered. Um, and I haven't pre-ordered an album in a while, so that should tell you how much I like them. But they're really fun, and they just are really enjoyable to listen to. Their videos are really funny. I would have everyone check those out. So I definitely want to include them on my girly list. So you still buy albums. You consume music by album, not just by single, or a little of both? Um, It's a little of both. Sometimes I admittedly want a really silly top 40 song for when I go for a run. So then I'm going to buy, you know, a quick song. But I also, I do really get into albums. I think they're... Certain songs are organized for a certain reason. Just like when I make playlists, I organize music for a certain reason. So I like to hear, um, like the St. Vincent and David Byrne album that came out last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, that from from top to bottom is an enjoyable experience for me. But there are also single songs on there that I like more than others. I was having a conversation recently with a couple of people who were, you know, a couple generations older than me. So grew up really with the only option for them when they were teenagers was buying an album. And so when they talk about certain favorite albums, it's... The way I talk about novels, where it's like, you couldn't listen to it out of order. How dare you? And I just don't have that relationship with music, really, because most of the stuff I got really into came from a friend sharing MP3s or CDs, and then it all got jumbled into an iPod at some point. And my playlists make sense to me, but the order that the artist intended me to listen to it in, I often have no idea. See, that is so interesting to me, because I feel like my friends and I, or other people I talk to about music, my music spirit guides, if you will, Greta, <laughs> um, we have transitional bands also. Like there's a there's a group or an artist or someone who really changed the rest of the groups or artists or bands that we picked up from here on out. I think albums are still relevant, but it just depends on how you consume music. Yeah, it's funny you say that because for me there are some albums that are essentially sacred, but they're all pretty old. You know, I think like the most recent album that I still consider truly essential as an album is like Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot or OK Computer by Radiohead, you know? Yeah. I, I can't remember the last time that I, like, came across an album. It might have been Foster the People, actually. I oh. thought that was a really good album. Yeah, I think it's funny, too, because when I think about how much time I put into making a playlist, like, I have certain rules that I always follow. Like, if you're going to repeat an artist on a playlist, I never let them play back to back. Oh, that, that is, is something I've... The worst. I can't... It's just... It's against everything. I just can't do it. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. I, and I also listen to the end and beginning of every track. So even if I know in my head that, you know, this song should go after this one, no, I am meticulous. I listen to the end because I want to know how it fades into one and then starts the next one. And that might be the audio producer or radio reporter in me. (laughs) That's funny because I totally do that too. Yeah, see, it's just there's a certain vibe that you want to come across when someone's listening to this playlist. And I know that people who put albums together or artists or whomever is responsible, I mean, they're thinking about the same thing. All right, well, I guess we'll end our little segment here with a song by San Furman. I believe that's how you pronounce that. And I cannot for life me stop playing this song. And I am notorious for playing a song to death, but I don't care. I really love this song, and I hope you all love it as much as I do.
Thanks to Lauren for curating that list of songs for us. You can find the whole playlist at nerdatpodcast.com. Greta, did you see the Jane Addams Google Doodle last week? You know, I did. It was super cool. And it turned out it was timed out perfectly with this Curious City question, right? Yes, they're very clever over there at Curious City. The Google Doodle was for Jane Addams' birthday, and it happened last week at the same time that WBEZ's Curious City did an investigation on the question they received from the public about Jane Addams and her sexuality. Now, in case you're maybe not a huge American history nerd, this is Jane Adams. This is not Abigail Adams. Right. Jane Adams has two D's for one. Mm-hmm. And she's also not married to John Adams. No. Just to clarify. No, she was not married to John Adams, but she was in a Boston marriage with Mary Rose Smith. So Jane and Mary had their own kind of marriage. D'Amelio says he would use this term for it, a Boston marriage. In Jane's Victorian era, many middle-class, college-educated women were in committed relationships with other college-educated women. Again, John D'Amelio. And so Boston marriage becomes a very neutral, acceptable way of describing something that, if described in other terms, might be scandalous. So it sounds like Boston marriage of the progressive era is the Facebook status it's complicated of the modern day era. (laughs) So my homework for you this week is to read the piece and listen to the radio version from Curious City. But before you do that, the writer of that piece, Jen Brandel, and the editor of the project, Sean Ali, who are two of my favorite storytellers and humans, stopped by to tell us a little more about that investigation and the reaction they've gotten from the story so far. So this question came to Curious City the way all questions do, but maybe lay that out for our listeners if they're not familiar. Yeah, we have an archive of questions that people have built up. And if they have a question about Chicago, the region, or the people that live here, they go to our website, curiouscity.wbez.org, and with just a few taps, they can submit something that's kind of interesting. Um, and this question about Jane Adams and her sexuality actually just came through that means, kind of the normal means, so to speak. Yeah, sometimes we'll go out and ask people on the street, what have you always wanted to know? But this was a, a digital submission. And we kind of noticed it. Yeah. Jane Adams was just a total badass. I mean, she was in the Victorian era, so we're talking like mid-1800s to early 1900s. She was a social reformer of epic proportions, like started so many incredible things in Chicago, including like I think the first kindergarten was at Whole House. Second City and Improv kind of has its roots at the Whole House. Sorry, that's a random one of talking at the beginning. Um, She did all sorts of work in juvenile justice and labor reform, child labor, uh, education, um, women's rights, immigrants' rights. I mean, it's kind of like if you think about the progressive movement today, you could probably trace any thread of it back to Jane Addams. Jen, I like the term that you used in the article, which was mother of social work. Yeah, that's something that she's been called before. Um, yeah, like one of that. her monarch, one of her many labels, as we say. And Chicago embraces this particular person in naming all kinds of things after her. An know, expressway. An expressway. <laughs> a park. But so for a lot of people who didn't know all that about her, they may have been a little surprised to hear us talking about the inner workings of the heart of someone who's this old. Why is this something that matters today? Who cares? We got to a couple of the reasons why in the story. So if you listen, you'll hear a couple of, of those things of why it matters to individuals, to the LGBT community as a whole, maybe to kids of same-sex parents. Parents, but it's also for history as well of thinking about 
how inner workings of a culture and of kind of a social sphere influence the work that people do. Now, the whole house, this place, was an incredible settlement house where people came in and they had these kind of atypical family structures. You know, they had a communal dining room. They had communal areas and bathrooms. And these were strangers. These were people of different classes mixing together. This kind of stuff doesn't happen. And to think about how there were different dynamics at play in there that were more free than probably the typical structures that we live in society in, the way that the women related to one another on a clearly day-to-day level and on an intimate level actually hold a lot of interest for how movement building happened. So it does have like bigger ramifications for history as a whole. So it's not just like a scandalous question. It actually is a a legitimate question that scholars have been researching for a long time. And you reached out to plenty of those in the story, both the radio version and the text version, which everyone is going to go check out for their homework. But what surprised you guys about the reaction the story's gotten just in the last few days? It seems to me, from looking at it, not the average comment cue beneath the story. (laughs) No, not for us. That's for sure. I mean, the the article was pretty long. Um, Not to scare anyone away from doing their homework. but uh, Nerds do their homework. Okay, great. I was glad to know that. But it's lengthy. The radio story is in-depth, etc. And I was surprised by the fact that obviously some people hadn't read anything at all before they got to the bottom. But my, I think the shortest comment was something like, uh, put a name on it. Put a word on it. Yeah, put a word on <laughs> put it. Put a word which, on it. You know, when we're, when we're talking about the L word and Jane Addams, I think that was about the shortest one. I think just a few words there. Yeah, it w- it's definitely a piece for an appreciator of subtlety and nuance. And I don't know that everyone sees a 3,000-word article and, and thinks, ooh, I'm going to read between the lines in this one. <laughs> Well, and there are people who write masters about this topic, people who are probably writing books about this topic. So how do you, when you're tackling something that's a can of worms like this, decide what you're going to leave in and what you're going to leave out? Man, actually, Sean and I have talked about doing a bigger story about this because we really, at the end of the day, felt like we had so much more to say. And we just had to cut it, you know, thanks to the broadcast clock, thanks to probably people's attention spans. We didn't want to write a master's thesis. I'm not a gender and sexuality scholar by any means, but... The issues that it touches on are deep and relevant and vast. And I think for us, it was kind of making sure that we could answer the question as best as we could, which was actually to let other people answer it in the way they best could, which at the end of the day means you don't technically have an answer. What's really interesting for me is that this is a question whose answer can be determined by you in a certain way and also How you determine it reflects more about you than it does about the person. And that's a question like we have not dealt with one like this so far, I don't think. Not quite like this. And, you know, when we go back and say, well, how much to write, et cetera, well, you do have to try to hew as closely to what the person asked at first. I mean, that's just kind of given what Curious City does. We honor the question that people actually asked. We have a relationship with the people who asked it. And... If we want to talk about other things, and we often do, they're related to that. And you can only go so far before you're really just kind of indulging yourself. But I think in this particular one, we really needed to go a lot further because, um, well, first of all, the question asker kind of suspected Mm -hmm. that there might be um, a lot more to say about it. Since there wasn't a lot of real certainty with this, there was no smoking gun in terms of like a, you know, a letter or something like that that was completely unambiguous (laughs) on the question of whether Jane Addams was a lesbian or not. You had to hear several answers. Yeah, this question asker knew that they were stirring the pot and going to probably get a conversation going, sounds like. And you guys were able to do just that. I think it's going to continue on. Other organizations who and outlets who are used to talking about these kinds of things now have something new to chew on, and you'll be the reference point for their coverage going forward. 
But uh, what kind of question does Curiosity normally enter compared to this? You said this isn't normally what we do. No, it's not. Um, a lot of the questions we get are kind of straightforward. Um, I don't know. What's a good example? Well, they don't deal with dead people's sexuality usually. Yeah, that's true. It'd <laughs> Although... be, you know, everything from, uh, you know, how do they deal with the, the poo at the Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago? What's at the bottom of the Chicago River? Um, what the heck do aldermen do, which are kind of our city officials here? Are there tunnels beneath the city of Chicago? And, you know, how many of them are there? And what do they do? You can keep answering those questions. You can keep finding different kinds of tunnels. But the fact that there are tunnels or not is not really up for much debate. <laughs> um, and if you, you know, how exhaustive do you want to be? But it's a pretty precise answer. So, yeah. Is there any one other source of information that is a source for this story that you want to add as an addendum to the homework? What's the oh, footnote? Man. I have one. Go for Jen, it. And you told me something really fascinating today that basically there's a person who has academic expertise in Mary Rose Smith. The, mm. the partner, I would love to hear more about that because in editing the piece and, and Jen, as you, as you wrote it, you know, we kept encountering this idea that like people would say, hey, why are we only talking about Jane Addams? There was this whole other person. And then I think in the piece, the term, what was it, wife? The wife treatment. The wife treatment yeah. kind of came up. And I thought, well, that's interesting. It kind of blows my mind that there was someone who actually spent a lot of time just studying her. And I'd like to hear more about her. Yeah, and I'd like to hear more. We weren't able to get into this aspect of it. Um, apparently, the families of Jane Addams and Mary Rose Smith differ on their answer to the question. Mary Rose Smith's family says, yes, they were in a loving, you know, what we would think of now as a lesbian relationship. Jane Addams' family says, oh, no, 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 no. So I think um, if we are to delve into this further, we're going to go more into what the family thinks as well. I also would say that the book Citizen is really great by Louise Knight. I've read parts of it for it, and it's just fascinating. If you want to learn more about Jane Addams, I would say your life will only improve by learning more about what she and all the other amazing people, many of which were women at the Hull House, did for us and our, our country, our people, our future. And if you want to see the way the government thought about it, the FBI file is all <laughs> online, too, and it's a pretty entertaining read. Thanks so much, Jen Brendel and Sean Ali. What was the exact question? The question was, could Jane Addams be considered a lesbian in the current use of that terminology. You can find links to everything, the story, the FBI file, and more at nerdatpodcast.com. Okay, Greta, what's your homework? Well, I think next week we're going to do a edition of Mary Frack Kill. The That's Frack for you, Battlestar fan. The exciting game where we watch three TV shows and then decide which we would marry, which we would frack, and which we would kill. So this coming week, we're going to do three fall pilots. They're all ABC shows, and they're available at Hulu.com. And they're Back in the Game, Trophy Wife, and The Goldbergs. Oh, one disclaimer. None of these three shows are going to fill the Breaking Bad-shaped hole in your life. These are all family comedies, but we want you to give them a try. And if you can only get through a few minutes of one, <clears throat> Goldbergs, that's fine. You let us know that, too. <laughs> So watch the three shows, decide which you'd marry, which you'd frack, and which you'd kill, and let us know. You can tweet at us. At Nerdette Podcast. Or you can leave us a voicemail. 312-600-5638. Or, you know, you can rent an airplane and write it in the sky, however you want to let us know. Yeah, but you should tweet at us first if you're going to do that, because we might miss it. That's a good point. I'm just trying to be practical. Thanks, Trisha. <laughs> so we'll talk about those pilots next week. That's it for today. 
Thanks to Lauren Shuligen for joining us with her playlist. And to Curious City's Jennifer Brandel and Sean Ali for stopping by to talk about Jane Addams and the L Word. And thanks to each and every one of you for listening on Stitcher or maybe iTunes or maybe SoundCloud. You know, guys, you could throw some stars and stuff if you wanted. It'd be cool. Wait, wait, Greta. What? We almost forgot. What? The most important thing happening on ABC this fall. Bill Nye on Dancing with the Stars. Bill Nye the dancing guy? Did you know that? Now, if you put a hot dog in a flashlight, (laughs) nothing happens. So we may have to talk a little bit more about that next week. I, for one, have to thank Bill Nye for teaching me a whole lot of science. BJ Lederman did not compose our theme. You're listening to Poddington Bear. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.